um, Sunday evening, I received a text message from a friend of mine with a news link that a man that I looked up to, a man that I followed, a man that had a voice in my life. I've, I've told you before that I'm, I'm very careful in the voices that I keep in my life. Uh, this, what's the word? Confusion comes as a result of too many voices. And some of us listen to anything and everything. And you have to learn to filter what you're hearing. You have to learn to filter what you put in front of you. You have to be disciplined. I just don't open up my mind to everything. And um, so I have very few people that really speak into my life and that I give myself to uh, in the earth. And um, Sunday, one of them was taken. Uh, Dr. Miles Monroe uh, has impacted my life for at least the last five years, if not longer than that. Um, his message on the kingdom of God, uh, he has revitalized that message like no other man has uh, probably since Jesus and since Paul. Bringing the original intent, the original intent back to the word of God, back to who God is, why we are here. Um, his books absolutely changed my life. Uh, the first time I heard that message five years ago, I've never been the same since. Um, and he ministers and, and, and teaches. I'm still talking about him as if he's here today. <clears throat> um, in many different veins, he, he's got profound messages on purpose and your destiny and who you are and how you fulfill your purpose, how you set goals in life and how you become everything God's called you to be. Uh, and, and one area that he really ministered to me a lot has really developed me into who I am today is in leadership. He's got several books on leadership, numerous teachings online on leadership. Uh, and he's no longer with us. Him and his wife and several other people were on a plane, were tragically killed in a plane crash Sunday afternoon. Um, so in honor of Dr. Miles Monroe, if you, if you know who I'm talking about, you, you know what I'm, you know the weight that I'm bringing this to you tonight. Uh, this man changed, in the 60 short years he was with us, changed the world more than most people's lives combined. The impact that he's left behind, the legacy that he has left. This is a man that went before governments. This is a man that uh, didn't just stay within a religious circle. This man was born uh, a child with 11 other brothers and sisters uh, in a small village in the Bahamas um, and has done what he did. Uh, is just profound and phenomenal. And uh, I thank God for his life. I thank God for his ministry. I thank God for his dedication and commitment to preach the uncompromised word of God, to teach it like no one else, with such great conviction, but with such love for people. 
And uh, although I never had the chance to meet him, I know one day I will. And uh, but he has had a profound influence on my life. And I only share that with you because he has a profound influence on this ministry. A lot of what I say and a lot of the vein that I teach in and speak in and uh, the force that I carry behind what we do um, is credited a lot to the influence he has had. On my life. And so tonight I want to bring you a message uh, in honor of him, in honor of Dr. Miles Monroe. I want to talk to you tonight about purpose. So if you would turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Monday morning I woke up hoping that it was just a dream. But I'm so thankful that he could leave behind what he did. Um, it's profound, the work that he did and the, and the things that he said, the lives he has influenced for the kingdom of God. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 4 reads this. This is the richest man that has ever walked on the face of the earth. Uh, in the world's eyes, we would call this guy successful. We would say he's prosperous. He's successful. This guy's got it all together. But he says here in verse 4, I made my works great. I built myself houses, planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards, and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools for which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and of the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. We're talking about King Solomon. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward from all my labor. Then I looked on all the works, all the works. All the works. People are working. People are working today. People are working. People are hard at work. People, uh, there's a lot of people that don't come to church on Wednesday nights because they've been working all day long. People are working. There's people that are so tired on the weekends that they can't make it to church on Sunday mornings because they're working. They're tired. They're working. All the works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I had toiled and indeed all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. Profit is what is left over after everything has been accounted for. Profit is what is left over. If it takes you $30 to build a lemonade stand... 
and you make $30 from lemonade, from selling lemonade, there's no profit. There's nothing left over. After everything's accounted for, after everything has gone out and you take account for what has come in, nothing's left over. And this is life as we know it today. People are spending. Dr. Miles Monroe taught me the difference between spending and investing. When you spend something, you lose it. When you invest, there's something to gain from what you've put in. And people are spending time, not investing time. People are spending money, not investing money. People are spending resources, not investing resources. And the kingdom of God is built on investment. The kingdom, is, the kingdom of God is not something you spend time doing. You don't spend time coming to church tonight. You don't spend time serving with the children. You don't spend time on stage leading worship. You don't spend time ushering and working in the sound and and greeting. You don't spend time doing that. You're investing time because in the kingdom, everything that's put in is accounted for and you're left with a profit. Something is left over. But this is the world as we know it. They gain and they gain and they gain. And Jesus said this. He said, what? Is it to a man that he gain the whole world but lose his soul? What's, there's an exchange. I've given you my soul and I've gained the world and there's no profit. What I've gained in return, the houses and the cars and the monies and, and, and the, 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 the life of the successful American. But I've gained Nothing, nothing is to profit. And Solomon uses a word here. He says, and indeed all was vanity. Vanity simply means meaningless. 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 That means there's no meaning to it. Meaning means reason. There's no reason for it. There's no reason for me to have all these treasures. There's no reason for me to have all the things that I've toiled for, all the things that I've worked for, all the things that I've given my soul for and I've gained in return. And it's all meaningless. There's no purpose behind it. Purpose always answers the question, why? And see, Solomon got real attached, like most of us do. We get real attached to the what. What. But the what, without knowing the why, is vanity, is meaningless. There's nothing to it. And where purpose is not known... Abuse is inevitable. Where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. If I don't know the reason for something, then I won't know how to use. See, see, we we have been misusing and abusing things in our lives because we don't know the purpose for it. The only way something is beneficial to you is when you know the purpose for something. The only way your marriage is beneficial to you 
and to your spouses when you know the purpose for being married. The only way your children are beneficial is when you know the purpose. The only way church is beneficial to you is when you know the purpose. The only way your job is beneficial to you is when you know the purpose. The only way money is beneficial to you is when you know the purpose. If you don't know the purpose, you will abuse it. We abuse all kinds of stuff. There's marital abuse. There's child abuse. There's drug abuse. Today, a big one in our nation is gun abuse. Are we abusing guns? Well, when you don't know the purpose for something or use it for which it was originally intended to be used, You abuse it. And what we have today is we have people that are abusing something that is more valuable than a gun, more valuable than a prescription, more valuable than a marriage, more valuable than a church or a job or money. We're abusing the most valuable thing in the planet today. Our lives. Because we don't know the purpose. Most people do not know why they're here. And, you know, purpose is a question that everybody's asking. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter how you were raised. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you grew up on. It doesn't matter what part of the nation you live in or what part of the world you live in. The homeless person under the bridge is asking the question and the Millionaire in the mansion on the coast is asking the same question. What's the question? The question is why? It's funny that, you know, accumulating wealth doesn't answer the question why. Accumulating fames doesn't answer the question why. Accumulating fame doesn't answer the question why. Accumulating relationships. And, and what happens is, is then we go to these different things to answer the question why. We go to money to answer the question why. We go to a relationship to answer the question why. We get a new job because we think it'll answer the question why. We find a new church because we think it'll answer the question Why? We are always asking the question why, but we're asking the wrong thing. In fact, we should be asking someone, not something. Now, take it a step further. A product never asks another product why it's created. If you want to know why the iPhone was made, if you want to know if you want to know why the Mercedes is made the way the Mercedes is and why the the Camry is made the way the Camry is and why the 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 uh, Lexus is made the way the Lexus is, you don't go to the product. You go to the person that made the product. The only one that knows the purpose, the true purpose for something, is the creator, the manufacturer. And see, we as people, we go to other people to find out why we're here. Hey, do you know why I'm here? Do you know what, you know what I'm supposed to be doing? 
You know why I was created? Do you know why I belong here? Why was I created when I was created? You ever ask that question? Why was I created now? Why wasn't I created in the 1800s or the... Why wasn't I created in Bible times? Why wasn't I... Why, why, why? We're always asking why, but we've got to go to the right source if you're going to get the right answer. And here's the issue. Unless we know why, we will never be fulfilled. Unless we know why, we will never be fulfilled. You know, Dr. Miles Monroe, he always made this quote. He said, the graveyard is the richest place in the world. The cemetery is the richest place in the world. Full of people that were born with a purpose and died with the purpose. There are businesses in graveyards. There are books in graveyards. There are songs that were never sung, books that were never written, businesses that were never started, inventions that were never created. Laying in a graveyard. With people that never discovered their purpose. Everyone is asking these five questions. And these five questions are so important. These five questions dictate who you marry. These five questions dictate the jobs that we take. The, these five questions tell us whether or not we go to school. These five questions uh, tell us what to wear. These five questions dictate our lives. We're all asking these five questions. Number one, we're asking, who am I? Who am I? Because identity is key. Because until I know who I am, I don't know what to do. If I don't know who I am, I don't know what to do. But here's the issue. When we don't know who we are, we'll fake it. <laughs> we'll imitate somebody else. We'll never be ourselves. We'll, be, we'll live our lives trying to be somebody else because we don't know who we really are. So I must be like you. Miles Monroe used to always say this statement. He said, two of the same thing makes one of them unnecessary. If you and I are both the same, one of us isn't needed. <laughs> no, you've got a purpose. You're somebody different. You don't have to imitate. You don't have to fake it. You could just discover who you are. Who am I? Number two, where did I come from? Where did I come from? Because value comes from the source. You know how many things we buy today and spend more money on because of the name? You spend more money on something because the name has determined its value, not the product. Nike. The, one of the largest manufacturers in the world, one of the greatest products ever made. And people buy it for the name. But I worked at a shoe store when I was in college and I learned that Nike wasn't the best. In fact, Nike really wasn't one of the greatest. Nike was all about looks. But if you really wanted a good running shoe, if you really wanted something that was going to hold up and withstand and last, don't get Nike. 
but it's got value in the name. The product may not be that valuable, but the name carries the value. And so we're all asking, where did I come from? And look, this is why we mistreat other people. This is why there's murder. This is why there's abuse in life. Is because we don't see people from, for where they came from. So you're, value, you're valuable to me not because you make such and such dollar amount or because you have such and such skill. You're valuable to me because you come from a source that has given you value. You won't abuse your children when you realize they really came from God, not you. You won't abuse your spouse when you realize you're a gift to me from God. God is your source. God is the one who created you. Therefore, I value you. You won't abuse your coworkers. You won't abuse your employees or your employers. You won't abuse relationships because we realize where they really came from. Therefore, where you came from determines your value, not Necessarily who you are. Number three, we ask this question, why am I here? Why am I here? Because if I don't know why I'm here, I'll make up a reason. (laughs) I'll spend all my life, I'll go to five different schools, I'll get five different degrees and never use one of them. Because I don't know why I'm here. And so I'll make it up. Why am I here? This is the number one reason why people are successful in the wrong assignment. We'll talk about assignment in a minute. What is my potential? What can I do? Number four, what is my potential? What is in me to do? What, what, what power do I contain? What abilities do I have? And what are the limits of what I can reach? What is the maximum I could do and accomplish in life? What is my potential? And last one, number five, where am I going? Where am I going? See, if you don't have a goal, then you'll never reach it. If you don't know where you're headed, it's easy to get steered off. If you're just driving around, you don't really have a purpose or a certain destination you're trying to get to, then you'll go all over the place. But when you've got a purpose, when you know there's a destination I've got to get to, you don't let anything get you off course. And you'll do whatever it takes to get to that destination. I remember uh, uh, several months ago, I got invited to pray before our city council and the mayor And, uh, you know, they start on time, man. I mean, you can watch your clock as soon as it clicks over at 530. You better be ready to go. And when you pray, you're the first one up. He welcomes everybody and then boom. Today we have with us Pastor Mark Brady from Anchor Faith Church here in Valdosta. And he's going to be opening up our meeting with prayer. And following, we will do the Pledge of Allegiance. Boom. So you better be there. And I'm... Going down, what is this, Valley over here by the Academy, Valley Street or something like that. And it goes right on into downtown, and there's a train track there. And I go down, and as I'm going down, here comes 
the railroad thing. And so I'm thinking, all right, this thing better hurry up. I got like 20 minutes. And it's coming. And it's slowing down, not speeding up. And it gets across and it's slowing down more. And it's not done yet. And it stops. Done. Well, I don't have time to figure out how long this thing is going to take. I'm about ready to get out of my car and just walk over these train tracks and get there on foot. And so I'm turning around. Why? Because I got a destination. I got to be somewhere. And so I did whatever it took to figure out how to get around this train. And thank God Highway 84 Bridge is wide open. You could just go right up over the top of that thing and just laugh looking down saying you can't stop me but sometimes in life we've got to find a bridge because when you know your destination nothing stops you nothing distracts you nothing gets you off course off course but we're asking the question where am i going where am i going and heaven's not the answer for that question <laughs> where am I going? Well, nothing's going to stop me from getting to heaven. Well, there's more to it than that. I want to know where you're going in life. And here's the thing that Miles Marino loved to point out about this. Don't let someone else answer these questions for you. Don't let someone else tell you where you're going. Don't let someone else tell you why you're here. Don't let someone else tell you who you are. Don't let someone else tell you what your potential is. Come on, we've all got somebody in our life that gave us, that, that set the bar and said, this is it. This is as far as you'll go. This is as high as you'll jump. This is, this is all you'll reach. No, you, we don't let people, we don't let the world tell us how high we go. There's already somebody that has set the bar so high. There's already someone that has given you every purpose. He's told you why you're here. He's told you where you're going. He's told you how you're going to get there. And we have to get with the Creator. Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs chapter 19. If you could pick out one verse that summed up the ministry of Miles Monroe, this would be it. Proverbs 19, verse 21. The New King James says, there are, many man, there are many plans in a man's heart. Don't we all love making plans? We love to plan. We love to have control. We love to determine the outcome. We love to plan it out. But there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel that's what will stand. In the NIV it says this many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. It's his purpose that prevails. It's his purpose for your life that will outlast your plans. So it seems to me like it would be within our best interest to go ahead and discover what his purpose is and quit making our plans. 
Psalms 33, verse 10. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord or the purpose of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. That means there will never be a generation that comes into existence that God hasn't already planned it out. We'll never get to a point in life where he says, okay, that's as far as I got. You guys are on your own. No, he has the plans. He has the purpose. He has the counsel of all generations. All generations. We love this verse. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know. That all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. See, we think this verse works for our purpose. (laughs) We think this verse works for our plan. If I just love God and everything is going to work together for good and that thing that I want really bad is going to happen. That's not what this verse says. This verse says that it will work according to His purpose. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Ephesians Chapter 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, for good works. So if you're not doing good works, then you're not doing what he's called you to do. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. How many of you are excited that God planned this thing out? This thing wasn't just a shotgun. Let's just see what happens. Let's just figure it out along the way. No, he's got this thing planned out. He has prepared this thing for uh, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we, you and I, should walk in them, should live in them, should live out the plan that he has for our lives. The purpose for something is in the mind of the creator. The purpose for something Purpose always answers the question, why? The why is in the mind of the one who created it. Everything you see in the earth today began in someone's mind. Not too long ago, because I'm just a big Apple geek, I went online and I found... The very first keynote that Steve Jobs did when he introduced the iPhone for the first time. It just gets you going, man. When you know this stuff, when you understand purpose, the iPhone began in the mind of somebody. It was simply an idea. It was just an idea that somebody had that we could take the iPod, and we could take a phone and join them together. I mean, it was so funny because he introduces it this way. He says, today I'm going to introduce to you three new devices that we've come out with. Three new devices. Today we're going to show you a revolutionary new cell phone. Today I'm going to introduce to you a touchscreen iPod. 
Because up until then, the iPod had the little click wheel. Anybody remember that? And thirdly, we're going to introduce to you a brand new revolutionary internet browsing device. And then up on the screen, he shows one image of a rectangle. It says, this is all three images. This is all three ideas. This is this right here began in somebody's mind. Somebody thought, let's just put it all in one device and let's find a way that we can touch this thing. But not just touch it with one finger, because up until this time we had palm pilots and blackberries that you had to pull out a stylus and you could touch it. But you could only touch one place at one time. You couldn't zoom into things and you couldn't move things around. And so he says, we're going to come up with something even more revolutionary called multi-touch. Where you can touch more than one place at one time. And you just have to use your finger. We get to use a stylus that everybody carries with them. You should go watch it. It'll get you excited. Because I just picture God. I just picture God in Genesis 1.26 when he says, Let us make man in our image. And in our likeness, and he's thinking of a device, he's thinking of a product that can do revolutionary things. <laughs> he's thinking of something, someone that can rule over everything that he just spent six days creating. Someone that can tell the sun to stand still so they can finish a battle. God made the sun. Man didn't make the sun, but he put man in charge of the sun. He decided to create someone that could tell winds and waves when they had to stop. He could tell someone, give dominion and give authority to someone to say, you tell the snake, you rebuke the enemy. You submit to me. And rebuke the enemy. And he has to flee. Let's make that. Because everything begins as an idea. The chair you're sitting in was in someone's head one time. This drum set over here was in somebody's mind one time. This iPad that I'm preaching from was in somebody's mind One time. You were in God's mind. One time. Jeremiah 29 11. We love this verse. Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the what? Thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Guys, we... We'll lose so much in life if we never discover our purpose. And I have given my life, given my life, given this ministry, given this church to helping people discover their purpose. People with purpose don't get distracted. People with purpose filter their relationships. People with purpose don't Rant on Facebook and and ask people what they think they should do about something. 
People with purpose know how to raise their children. People with purpose know how to treat their spouse. People with purpose know how to get up in the morning and go to a job and know why they're going to a job and don't place unnecessary expectations on a job that cannot come close to deliver happiness and the right amount of money and the right boss and the right position. They just go to work knowing I'm here to make influence on somebody today. And what I get paid for that doesn't mean near as much as the reward I have in heaven because I'm doing my purpose. People with purpose don't allow sickness and disease to take over their body because they realize I'm here on an assignment and you will not take me out until my assignment is up. Jesus knew when his time was up. Paul knew when his time was up. We have to live with purpose. We have to live. We have to get out of this identity crisis. A life without purpose isn't living. It's trying. A life without purpose isn't living. It's reaching for something that's not really there. And we have to go to the Creator. The four statements that epitomize the life of Dr. Miles Monroe. You need to write these down. You need to type them out. You need to print them out. You need to put them somewhere. When I taught this series a couple years ago, we had these cards available for everybody. These statements will alter your life. The greatest tragedy in life. You know, it's funny, you read this from a man that has just died and he's the one that said this. The greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life without purpose. There are people that are alive, but they're not living. Because there's no purpose. The greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life without purpose. The greatest challenge in life is knowing what to do. Discovering your purpose ought to be the number one most important thing you seek in life. It should drive you. Well, what's my purpose? Well, what makes you angry? What gets you up? A lot of leaders, a lot of the greatest leaders, Miles Monroe included, most of the greatest leaders that we have ever seen on this planet became leaders out of a problem. Because leaders look for problems. They look for problems because they want to find a solution. Leaders look for solutions. 
Leaders don't just find problems, they find answers. Leaders find solutions. Maybe the thing that you're called to do in this earth hasn't been answered yet. Maybe it's a problem that no one's found a solution for. Maybe that's why you're here. The greatest mistake in life is to be busy but not effective. The greatest mistake in life is to be busy. How many people are busy? They just have a lot of busyness. They're just busy doing stuff. And success isn't busyness. Success is effectiveness. What are you producing? What are you affecting? What are you changing around you? The greatest mistake in life is to be busy, but not effective. And lastly, the greatest failure in life. The greatest failure in life is to be successful in the wrong assignment. The greatest failure in life is to be successful in the wrong assignment. The greatest failure in life is to be successful at doing something we were never called to do. I didn't say it's not being successful. Because we can be successful according to the world's standards and not be successful according to God's standards. What is success to God? What does God look for? What does He look down on and say, that's a successful life? The only thing God is looking for is obedience. If you can die and you can say, I obeyed God. It maybe didn't look that great on the outside. I maybe didn't have that much money. I maybe didn't have all the things. It it, it may not have made, you know, may not have looked like it made a great impact, but I was successful because I obeyed. God's looking for obedience. He says obedience is greater than sacrifice. Because the greatest sacrifice is obedience. True obedience is sacrifice of yourself. True obedience is selflessness. So tonight I just want to leave that message with you. Profound words that changed my life. Profound words that will drive us forward in everything that we do. Profound words that are driving me forward in everything that I do. We have to have a purpose-driven life. We have to have in mind God's plan, God's purpose, God's intent for our lives. And it may not look like what everybody has said. It may not sound like what you've heard. But I encourage you to discover God's original intent for your life. I encourage you to discover God's plan. 
Because outside of that, there's no happiness. Just before Miles Monroe went to be home with the Lord, he was actually on his way flying to a conference that was supposed to be going on right now, the 10th through the 13th. And he spoke about it last week, the purpose of the conference. And he says, I see a problem. I see a problem in our nation here in the Bahamas. I see it in America. I see it all around the world. That we have profound leaders that are moving on. But not leaving anybody behind to keep doing the work. How prophetic. It's almost as if he knew. He said he had a dream. He had a dream of an Olympic runner. A gold medalist. And he was laying in a casket clutching the baton in his hand. And he said the next runner had to come and pry the baton out of his dead hand. Well, all I know is I'm giving my life to take the baton and run my course. I'm going to carry it on. The message didn't die with him. The kingdom message didn't die with him. I thank God that I heard the message. I thank God that I took it to heart. I, I know not everybody grasps it. Not everybody understands it. Because it's deep. It's not surface stuff. God's not trying to hide anything. He wants everybody to know. But, I mean, it's all Jesus talked about. It's all he preached about. We preach about stuff that Jesus never preached about. We preach about salvation. We preach about the cross. And we preach about being born again. And these are the, the basics of our sermons today. And Jesus never preached about any of that stuff. All Jesus preached about was a kingdom, a government. Who thought that Jesus would come to this earth and tell us, look, everything you're looking for, it's in government. Because if you would just submit yourself to the government of God, the kingdom of God. If you would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things that the world is working for, laboring for, toiling for. Got to have enough money in the 401k. Got to have the retirement plan. Got to leave something behind for the kids. Got to have the right house. Got to have the right job. Got to have the right position. The right car. All the stuff that the world is toiling for and getting tired doing it. Getting wore out. They're so tired they can't even enjoy the stuff they're working for. They're so wore out they can't even enjoy the stuff that they're buying with all the money they have. And Jesus said this. He said, if you would seek first the kingdom, all these things would be added. That word added means given to with no work done for it. 
When something is added to you, you didn't do anything to get it. That means you didn't work for a paycheck. When you live a life of purpose, you find things are just added. You find things are just added. Because you're seeking first what Jesus told us to seek first. Miles Monroe was a phenomenal man. He took religion out. Single-handedly got rid of religious mindsets. Single-handedly got rid of traditional thinking. Single-handedly got rid of all the stuff that we thought we became a Christian for. And gave believers... We ought to be the most purpose-driven people. The world should not live life with more purpose than us. The world should not have a greater sense of destiny and achievement than us. The world should not have a bigger picture than you and I. The world should not have greater vision than you and I do. We have the greatest vision there is. We have the greatest purpose there is. We have the greatest destiny there is. Life in the kingdom, changing a culture, changing the world to look like heaven, bringing heaven to earth, not just waiting around to get to heaven, but learning how to bring heaven into our realm, our sphere. Everybody's got a sphere. Everybody's got a sphere of influence. You know somebody. You know somebody that knows somebody else that knows somebody else. And what could be started with you? What could be started with your sphere? Who are the people you come into contact with on a daily basis? Who are the people you see all the time? Who's that girl that's always uh, ringing you out at Publix? Who's that, that person that you always seem to run into at the gas station? Who's that person that is always cutting your hair? Who is that person that you constantly are coming into contact with? It's not just coincidence. You are there for influence. Because you have a purpose. You have a destiny. Last quote. I got a million of them. God doesn't give any creation purpose without resourcing it to accomplish the purpose. I say that because your purpose will seem too big. Just go ahead and let you know. When you learn to get God's heart for your life and God's vision for your life, it's going to seem too big. You're going to think, God, that's impossible. There's no way I can do that. There's no way I can have that kind. It's going to seem large. But you have to know that he's not calling you to do something that he hasn't equipped you to do. It's within you. We have to cultivate it. We have to mature it. We have to develop it. When an apple seed goes into the ground, it's not instantly able to bear fruit as an apple tree. But as maturity takes place and developing and cultivating starts to take place. One day it's going to start giving away apples. It's going to become an apple tree. And then one of those apples... Is going to have seed within it that will fall into the ground. And it'll look like it's dying because you're bearing it. It's funny how planting and dying both look the same. 
you're putting it in the ground. But it's dependent upon life. Is there life in what you're putting in the ground? See, one has life and one has death. One is active and one is inactive. One is effective and one is ineffective. One is productive and one is unproductive. What are you putting in the ground so that you can see it come out? Miles Monroe went into the ground productive, effective, inactive. And there are many seeds all across this world that have taken his message. And what we lost in one man is going to be gained in many more. I believe that. I believe. He saw far beyond his life anyways. (laughs) He didn't just see his lifetime. He saw me. He saw me, a 25-year-old guy hearing the message for the first time and took it to heart and is now going to carry it around the world. He saw me. When he was 55 years old, he saw me. And there's many others that are going to continue to carry the message. The question is, will you? The question is, will you take the time to discover the purpose for your life so we can all be successful in the kingdom of God together? Father, we thank you tonight for the purpose, the plan that you have for our lives. Father, your word is all about purpose. The Bible is all about purpose. The Bible isn't showing us something that will come later on. The the Bible is, is pointing us towards something that can change who we are today so we can change the world today. Father, we make it our life's goal. We make it our purpose in life, our endeavor in life to strive for what you have called us to do, why you have called us to be here. Father, it's far too great. It looks big. It looks large. But Father, I thank you tonight that we will each take to heart the purpose and the plan that you have for our lives so we can be truly successful, truly successful, not according to the world's standards, but according to your standards, truly successful. In the kingdom of God. Father, right now I lift up the Monroe family, his children that lost both their mother and father in this tragic accident. Father, I pray that you grant them peace, peace beyond all understanding. Comfort them by the Holy Spirit, by the Comforter, the Helper. Father, I thank you for the ministry in in the Bahamas. I thank you that that ministry will rise up. Rise up and do even greater than what their leader started. Their leader never had a mindset of this thing is only going on while I'm here. He was constantly passing the baton. So, Father, I thank you that you embolden those leaders that he has passed the baton to. I thank you that they rise up in the wake of this tragic accident and they take their place 
That this ministry will continue to be a beacon of hope around the world. This ministry will continue to influence not only the religious community, but governments and worlds and nations. That world leaders will still continue to look to this ministry. Just as Miles Monroe had presidents, congressmen, Mayors coming to him, asking him questions. That will continue on. I thank you for every leader. I thank you for every person in that ministry. I thank you it will continue to grow, pursue, and possess everything that you have called them to do. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.